What's going on, Commonwealth? And welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, your home for all things soccer right here in the beautiful state of Kentucky. I'm, of course, Mr. Jimmy. That's Mr. John. And John, I know we just asked each other this off camera, but I want to ask you on camera. What is your favorite kind of chip? Um, so overall, I really don't care that much. I don't like super spicy chips, but like mm, my so no like death chips or anything like that. No, like none those, those like purple Doritos or whatever or taquitos, all that type of stuff. Oh. I don't like. Um, but that my like go to is the Lay's dill pickle if I'm buying a chip. Hmm. I. I'm very like, I don't know. I like chips, but I don't eat a lot. But if I'm going to eat it, it's going to be one of two kinds. It's going to be um, jalapeno chips because my wife put me onto those a couple of years ago. And, ooh, baby, those are good. Or two, just a classic barbecue. Nothing fancy. Just classic barbecue in that black bag. Ooh, can't get much better. Now, but I will that's... say the best chip brand is called Better Made. Better made. Okay. It's a Michigan company. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I haven't heard of those. Um, but so, John, with that, then we will now go off the top. And, John, not a whole lot of news to kind of talk about this week, uh, but a, a couple of areas that I did want to kick off with. First one within our state uh, Racing Louisville made several roster moves ahead of um, this weekend's matchup. Uh, first and foremost, uh, South African forward Thimby uh, returned to the um, what's the word I'm looking for the roster uh, for the game for Racing Louisville, uh, which was great to see. Glad that she is back fully with the team uh, and you know ready to to rock and roll. Uh, the next one was midfielder uh, Alex Chidiak was sent on loan to Mexican side Tigres, uh, which. I'm really excited to see Alex go uh, and do something with uh, Tigres and maybe win a league cup down there. Um, but it is kind of bittersweet because she was one of the players I was really looking forward to watching coming back from the World Cup with Racing Louisville. And then finally, midfielder Taylor Almir, um, who had joined Racing Louisville on a temporary contract, has now signed a contract through the rest of the year. John, kind of looking at these moves, um, any thing of note, any comments that you might have? Um, I, it kind of sucks for Chidiak, in my opinion, a little bit because in the World Cup, she was barely used and that type of thing. And now she's going on loan. However, she's going on loan to arguably one of the best supported clubs in Mexico. And, um, I don't know if people know it's like La uh, La MX Mexica Feminale. Um, Great job! That's the, way uh, better than I would have done. Is <laughs> actually a top is one of the top leagues, so it's like growing really well because I don't know that much about Mexican soccer, but the corruption's not as much there. Um, for those who don't know, a lot of Liga MX has been rooted in corruption. Shock lately. Mexico in corruption scandals. 
it's like it's worse than like uh italy though like it's a lot oh god that's when you know you're really bad when you get compared to worse than uh italy it's a lot more stuff and they it got so bad that's why they closed their league so for any of those who have dealt with anti-pro-rel, people are like, well, Liga MX doesn't do it. Liga MX is back to pro-rel. They closed their league because it was so – they had so much pol- politic problems that they had to close their league because it was causing issues. Yeah, and it's never good when you have to go from a closed system or from an open system like they had to a closed system. Um, But good to see um, Chidiak going to a team that she's going to... I mean, I would be stunned if she wasn't starting for them, um, if not just getting significant playing time off the bat. Um, I meant to say this a few moments ago, but uh, I forgot. We are watching... um, University of Louisville and Bellarmine tonight. Uh, they are playing right now at uh, Lynn Stadium. They're in Louisville. Uh, the battle of the 502 Derby, the Louisville City Derby. What were some of the other suggestions uh, that you uh, saw there, John? So on my – let me pull it up. On mine yeah, – Because John reposted. I only got like one guy said something. Andrew Bums. Uh, he said the Derby City Derby, the Re- River City rivalry, the Derby City College Cup. Um, Ooh. Here, here's the thing. One, I understand Louisville's on the river, but you're not <laughs> a river city. I'm sorry. Like, you're not Cincinnati. Not, not even Cincinnati. Like a river city is like Pittsburgh or you know, like Pittsburgh, New York, these type of things where, like, there's multiple rivers or there's, like, a lot of waterways and stuff. You being on a river is not that uncommon or unique. Well, but in the way our country was formed, yes, it was. No, this is not not even our country. This is everywhere. London, Paris, Florence, Rome, all of them are on rivers. Barcelona is a coastal city. Madrid's on a river. Major, all cities get put on a river. It was for shipping reasons. So being right. on the river is not something. The Dirty River Derby or rivalry that Louisville has with Cincinnati makes sense because they're both on the same river. That's one thing. Right. But like the River City Derby, you're not a river city. I don't associate Louisville with like the Kentucky River. I know it's so on for, it, but... For everyone in Louisville... His uh, Twitter handle is at J underscore Hunt 1123. Direct all your comments towards him, please and thank you. Um, I'm a big fan of calling it Louisville City Derby just because of what you just said. Like, you know, don't worry about any geographical um, features or anything like that. Um, one of the things from this match that I am interested to see is, <clears throat> pardon me, um, current Lou City player, um, Cade, I can't remember his last name. He's the young kid who uh, came in early uh, this season from their academy. He actually plays for Bellarmine, um, not the University of Louisville. So I thought that was quite interesting. And also of note, uh, UK men are playing East Tennessee State, which is the uh, alma mater of Charlie Machel. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, in it, and I kind of 
he po- he posted on his story about it, like being at the game, which it's in Lexington. And I kind of went like one time, <laughs> you're gonna be like rooting against you, right? Uh, and that score, at least as far as I know, is still zero zero because uh, they uh, kicked off right at seven, right? Yeah, I'm at uh, seven thirty, so they're at th- oh. they're in their thirty second minute. And it is currently zero zero. Okay. And college soccer throws me off, or at least some of them do, because some of them it counts down, some of them it counts up. I can't keep up with things. Sometimes I don't know what it's doing in the stadium, but I know at least ESPN count when it's on ESPN they count up. So I don't I'm know necessarily it on ESPN for the Louisville game, and it's counting down. It's because I've seen it both ways. Oh. I literally had last week. I was watching U of L women versus Indiana State and Murray State versus I don't remember who beat us. Um, and one was counting up and one was counting down, both on ESPN. I was so confused. It might then they might go <laughs> off the stadium clock, then that's probably what it that's is. That's the only thing I could think of. I just don't I will say this about college soccer. Um, I do not like um EKU and even Berea did this. They'll do a countdown because they don't do stoppage time. Right. Oh, and so, so the sometimes three, they'll two, do one. yeah, they'll do like ten. I'm just like just just play. Like honestly just oh, let but it go. it's exciting though. Like that brings in like that atmosphere of like But the PA basketball. announcer does it. <laughs> I mean the I'm sorry, the PA let the fans do it, that's one thing, but the PA and imagine if like the PA announcer in football or in <laughs> basketball just started going ten. Like just loud. That would be. I mean, some of them you know. do. So I've been in some stadiums. Morehead, uh, talking about you here. Uh, they their PA at least at that time would go ten nine and get the crowd really into it. Uh, we do have a goal in Lexington, George Washington. No, not that George Washington. The other George Washington um, has scored for UK to go up one zero thirty one minutes in. Oops, and that caused my ESPN to crash. Great, awesome, uh, love it. I haven't so, seen that. I got the Twitter update. Maybe they're reviewing it or something. Well, there's no VAR. What are, you, what are we talking about? I'm on ESPN Plus and saying it's in the 34th minute right now and there's no goal. LOL. Well, I don't know what Twitter's doing. Twitter lies. Um, anyways, so back on, uh, topics here. Um, so it wasn't sad to see Alex leave, but excited for Taylor, um, getting added to the roster for the rest of the season, as well as, um, seeing Thimby come back, but we'll break down what happened in loose city's draw with, um, New York, New Jersey, Gotham, FC, ABCDEFG, um, here in a little bit, but, um, I did want to briefly, um, talk about college soccer here. Um, as the UK men's team are quickly racking up several different um, high rankings. Uh, there was just right before this, we reposted it on our Twitter account, which is, of course, at BG SoccerCast, oh. um, that they were ranked number two in a power ranking uh, from NCAA men's college soccer, as well as in they were, John, would you say number six <coughs> in the coaches poll? Um, three. To start so, number three, to start the so the NCAA goes off of the United Soccer Coaches Poll as their official ranking. It's similar to the AP in basketball and football. 
um, but it's like among soccer coaches. Um, the ranking we tweeted out today, and we they did it on Instagram too, I believe. I did um, that. That's just kind of like, like the first thing power rankings are like just they take like two or three people's opinions and just throw them in there. Like personally, it was a bit of a clickbait baity in my opinion, because some teams had only played one game and I'm sorry, like you cannot determine. Yeah. You cannot determine best teams in the country when they play one game, genuinely one game. Like I don't know how good Florida Gulf coast university is, but they weren't ranked. Where it says in that same thing, they said how Stanford beat two ranked teams and they were only third or something around right. that. So how, how I was like, in happen? my in my opinion, like as much as we're like pro UK and pro Kentucky, like that's better than being a one one unranked team. Yeah, that that seems to be an, an odd ranking. But hey, hey, it, it got us to talk about it. So shout out to you, uh, NCAA Men's Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. You got us to, to shout yeah. you out. And the uh, John, the last thing for Go UK for it. was a substitution. What do you mean? They, the, 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 the thing you were talking about for UK in the 31st minute, that was Logan Dorsey being subbed in for Crasper Greening. I swear it said goal. Maybe I can't read. Um, Anyways, uh, last thing uh, to talk about uh, for off the top today, John, is some a bit of sad news. Um, It was announced early or mid last week that the SD Loyals out in San Diego, California, uh, will cease operations after the 2023 season. With the new MLS club coming to San Diego, the SD Loyals just really couldn't get a foothold. Um, there was a very heartfelt video by one of their owners, one of Landon Donovan's partners, um, that you know really just kind of outlined they couldn't find a permanent stadium. They were struggling uh, to get some additional fan support and to really grow what they were trying to build. Um, and I think that's inevitably what happened to the club. I think they got doomed by no permanent location um, and some other issues that they were having. And here we are. Yeah. Um, It's hard. Like Dan Creel tweeted about this earlier. Uh, It's hard to label how much this is on MLS coming in. Because it's only on the MLS coming in. I, well, fully from the stuff I found and things is that they still would have had their temporary stadium of Torito Stadium like available for them. So it's not like they were like being kicked out or their right. lease or whatever was up. So it wasn't like in the sense that, yes, this is because of MLS. The question is, how much is it because of MLS? I'm putting it because 80 plus percent. Because you MLS isn't coming in until 2025. We have seen other clubs survive when the MLS comes in. One. Well, maybe. Charlotte um, being one. We've seen Chatt- Chattanooga FC has survived when the Red Wolves came in type thing. 
Um, so and we've they may have seen, got a promotion. Yeah, so we've seen it that they've somewhat survived and stuff, or at least stuck it out. I will say I do not like this way the MLS does this of just giving it. I feel like you should just go to the franchise and yes. like as much like. For example, with Lou, as much as it would suck if some guy just comes in and goes, how much to literally buy everything and then they gut the team? The fact that the club and where they play and that everything would still be the same, even if they literally gutted the entire, they got rid of everybody and they just brought in their own people. That's still better than just some random person with $500 million coming into Louisville and launching their own team with the MLS. Like, as like I know Lou fans hate Cincinnati. I would much have rather that to whoever is in this ownership group. I know Manny Machado is with the MLS. He's like the name I know. If they just went to the loyal and be like, hey, how much for us to take you up? Or how much to just for us to become the primary owners or something along those lines, if they just wanted to be majority owners or something like that. Because now you're on Landon Donovan's bad side, at least, which is good or bad, depending on who you talk to about him. I mean, so I spent uh, a week in San Diego last year, and that was one of the things that I wanted to do. So I went to their training facilities. I talked to some of their training staff and stuff like that. And they, the local people in San Diego, they love the loyals. Like they were so proud to have them there. They were so excited that they chose the name loyal because that's exactly how they felt about um, themselves as fans of a a San Diego based soccer team. They were so loyal to them. Um, And it was so important for them to, to be there and to represent the community. And, you know, I know that Snapdragon Stadium, the new stadium for uh, San Diego State, that's where the MLS team is going to go. But San Diego State is even having trouble filling that stadium. I don't know. I mean, of course, a brand new MLS team. Yeah, they're going to sell it out for the first two or three months. Right. But I don't know what the long term viability will be if they don't really fill in the gap that the Loyals are currently holding. Well, to be fair, the San Diego Wave are averaging almost 20,000 a game. They're leading the NWSL. And that's another thing. It's I think there's a part for it with um there's just been t- there have been too many teams because you have the way if all of them stay operating, San Diego would have four teams. Because they have Which the, is a lot. Would, yeah, they would have the Wave and the MLS team, which I think they're calling San Diego FC or something along those lines. Uh, the Loyal, and then there's Albion of and mm-hmm. of Nisa. So that's four teams, and Albion's not hugely supported, but they're still supported. The Wave are supported. Yes, there is a large community in. Um, in San Diego is like 3.2 million. And then there's these, these rumors of like a Wimbledon esque loyals searching around. Yeah. Now that was the last point that I was going to bring up here that 
if you're a fan of the SD Loyals and you live in Kentucky, good on you. Um, they may not truly be done. Um, in a now since deleted uh, post that I saw on Reddit, um, there seems to be a movement of the fans to rebirth uh, this club, a Phoenix club, if you will, um, and calling themselves AFC Loyal San Diego. Um, and from what the post had said was that they had had conversations with the ownership uh, group that they were going to start in the UPSL and look to get back into the USL if things go well within a couple of years. Yeah, and the AFC, the idea of it is, for those who don't know their English history, which if you deal with any anti-pro-rel, they'll bring up this club a lot, is Wimbledon FC was a team in England, was original founding member of the Premier League. They were the Dons and all this type of stuff. And then going into the late 90s, they fell out. Then they dropped to either League, the Championship or League 2, League 1. Um, and then their stadium situation was getting weird. They had an owner come in, and he basically... So in England, you never really see a team move. But you saw this. This guy took Wimbledon and moved them north to Milton Kings, where they became the MK Dons. And then the fans of Wimbledon created a Phoenix club called AFC Wimbledon, which now plays, I believe, League Two or League One. Um, League Two. They play with... uh, uh, Oh, my God. Wrexham. There it is. Uh, AFC Wimbledon, owned by... John Green, that's right, fellow YouTuber, yeah, a, just like us. He's a partial right. owner of them, yeah. But <laughs> we are on the same. Uh, you'll see a lot of anti-pro well people bring up that side because they're like, "Oh, this is a club that folded, yada yada." And I was like, "That's they did not fold. They had an owner who came in and did not want to keep the team there because he couldn't get a stadium deal. That's not folding. Like right. that's not like the." <sighs> Tampa Bay mutiny folding because of financial. Oh yeah. That was that's not, that's not um, literally any of the, like the U S clubs are dealing with financial issues because there's no pro rel because they get stuck where they're at and their financials either dry up or they can't figure out financial stuff where you, yes, you can self relegate, but it's not the same type thing as just dropping down when you have, can't get your ducks in a row and then going back up type thing. And that's, you can look at examples of like Richmond kickers and uh, North Carolina as, as teams that have kind of self relegated and North Carolina is going back up. They figured out their books. They got everything situated and they're going back up. And a lot of anti pro rel people like, like the site, like 600 clubs in England have folded. Problem Mm -hmm. is, England has been around for 100 plus years. And right. two, none of those, to my knowledge, within the last 100 years at least, or at least the last 50 or 60 type thing, have folded being in the English, in the actual English Football League, which is at the top four leagues. So, uh, yeah, seventh division club has folded or 8th Division, these really lower teams that you never hear about unless you're truly local have folded. 
but right, if that's your community not, team, they there wasn't a team that was, was in the Premier League one year and then was just gone the next. That has not happened. Like it has happened with the Mutiny or other MLS teams or the entire NASL. But except for New York Cosmos. Um, last New thing York to kind of add. The NASL. The right. entire NASL folded. Last thing to add here about this potential rebirth of this loyal franchise. Um, the the ownership seemingly from a, again, a random Reddit post, so who heck knows if that's even reputable, um, did mention that it would be a community-based ownership system. So that would be something more akin to what, you know, the Green Bay Packers have for those who are unfamiliar with that kind of a model. Um, so that could be really interesting to see if it can continue. That's how a lot of uh, European clubs, especially English clubs, operate. You know, if you go back and you watch Wrexham that first season, um, that's exactly what they were. They were community owned, and then Ryan and uh, Rob went in and you know talked to them, bought the franchise from them. But uh, I'm interested to see what happens out in San Diego. They loved the Loyals. I hope that they can support uh, the MLS side um, and they can continue to have a, a great system down there in San Diego. Um, community based ownership, I feel, needs to would be beneficial in America at times, like the 50 plus run one rule of Germany. Um, but there's also times where I'm like, eh. and we're, we're, we'll talk more about this on Wednesday. And that is a great teaser right there, John. Um, on Wednesday, if you are not a fan of pro rel, Make sure you come back on Wednesday night um, to this podcast because we will be talking about what are the cons, what are the bad side of promotion and relegation. You know, John and I are both very passionate that it should happen and that it would be very entertaining. But hey, we also don't have any money in in on any of this. So um, come back on Wednesday, especially if you want to join our conversation, get into the chat. Uh, and post things so that we can, you know, kind of hear what you're thinking as well. But John, with that out of the way, um, if you enjoy watching our content and you would like to support the channel, we have a buy us buy me coffee account. Um, we take these donations, we put it 100% back into the show and into this channel. Uh, so every dollar that's donated is going right here. We appreciate any and all uh, contributions, but we don't have a paywall or anything like that. We never will. Um, all of our content will remain free, but we do really, really appreciate all the support that we get. But with John, that out of the way, let's jump into the majority of our conversation today, which is going to be the bottom line. And John, this is the first week that we will actually be doing professional and college in, in the same episode. So this is going to buckle your seatbelts. Yes, to the best of our abilities. Buckle up, folks. This is going to take a while. Um, John, I first want to start on a very happy, excited news uh, note. Uh, Lou City um, actually won their match against Oakland Roots this past weekend, 2-1. to one. Uh, Oscar uh, Jimenez um, played the role of hero with a stoppage Jimenez. time winner. Jimenez, thank you. Um, with a stoppage time winner, volleying it 
from the top of the box, completing what was a thrilling comeback. And yes, I was very excited when I saw that I had a family event, um, so I didn't get to watch it. But my gosh, when I saw the highlights, I was very excited. Okay. If I'm still, and Moose fans, you can help. I still am unsure why that the uh, first goal was called off. Do you have you figured out exactly why? Nope, I do not. The I only way, the you. only thing I can think of is that they interfered with the keeper. When he but they would have said the that. Ball. I don't think they ever said any of it. They just yeah. wiped it away. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, led to some interesting stuff through from what I've seen of Blue City fans. And I was at the yeah. Lexington game during this, uh, that, and it was raining for the first half of that. <laughs> so I was not on my, I was not pulling out my phone because it was pouring rain. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to. And I've watched the replay where they show it like five times. And I still am like, why? why? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it, and and really, truly, like it was uh, quite disappointing to see that goal be disallowed because it should have been um, an easy goal. It should have been something that was a no no brainer. Um, but for whatever reason, the official jumped on his horse that day and thought, you know what, I'm going to try and screw Lou City, uh, and it almost did. If uh, Oscar hadn't put in that stoppage time winner that would have been a dangerously hard pill for coach Cruz and the rest of the team uh, to take I, I personally after watching it like you said John I watched it multiple times I have no clue what the official was seeing I don't know why he thought that was not a goal but the official called what he called unfortunately and uh, Lou City had to fight back the rest of the match and they did and they did a great job of coming back Showed a lot of resilience, a lot of grit um, to get the equalizer because right after that goal was called off uh, is when uh, Oakland scored. Um, but, you know, like I said, a lot of resilience showed by Lou City um, getting the vital three points. Uh, Brian Ownby actually was the one who hit that equalizer. Well, what should have been the second goal. Um, if we're being honest, in the 71st it was minute, a very interesting equalizer. <laughs> yeah, is he like um, first touches it up to himself and then he like hits it? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen someone like pop the ball up to themselves and hit it. Yeah, and like I said, it should have been two. That should have been Lucity should have been up two one at that time. But again, in the USL, we don't have freaking VAR. So I don't know what I think. Mm, um, still hot. You're getting even hotter about it. The funny thing is, I think Lynn does because I think the NWL they have the technology. VAR. Yeah, yes, but it's the, the case technology. of it's the case with like the championship in England. Yes, the league does is that. Well, yeah, the stadiums can have it, but the league has to have it or a majority or something like that where it has to be fair or that just gives Lou like a, a huge home advantage if they have VAR versus like Oakland, even if the VAR goes against them. Okay. Now I'm going to get really mad because like, I don't care. Like if you can't afford to get VAR in your own freaking stadium, why are you in the USL champion? 
if this is supposed to be the league competing with the MLS as potentially the second D1 league in our country, there's no excuse that there shouldn't be VAR in every stadium. And Oakland, you're a great example, and you you, you pick on my nerves a little bit because you play at Laney College, a tiny nothing college. Yes, they had the uh, uh, whatever, Last Chance U was there. Uh, great show, loved it, really enjoyed it. Uh, they actually had a player who went and played for Murray State uh, the year after that, fun fact. Um, but you play at a, a tiny stadium. Like, if this is truly Oakland's team and Oakland's community and one of the few remaining professional sports in Oakland, put some freaking money into getting them their own stadium or at least in Laney Stadium, putting in VAR and making that stadium as awesome as those people in Oakland deserve. Sorry, I'm literally sweating now. You're no, you're all good. Um, I think I do think if the the pro rail thing gets voted on and the league decides to go get the league decides to go for D one sanctioning, I can see the USS USSF saying, "All right, you got it, but within two years, your all your stadiums have to have VAR or something of yes. the sense." Because I mean, even if they went and played at the dump hole that is where the that could the, just be what Concacaf tells them to. That could just be what Concacaf also tells them to do. Be like, if you want to compete in the Champions League, which if they got D one sanctioning would mean they would get an entry into the Concacaf Champions League of some sort, whether right. that's like like qualification or something along those lines. And I mean, the technically, there is a path for that through the Open Cup, right? But be realistic. It's not as straightforward. If they got D1 sanctioning, it would be guaranteed one Agreed. team at least yeah. would be in the Champions League. And I don't know why FIFA wouldn't help support that as well. Like, I'm sure they would, right? Like, there's there's no doubt that FIFA, CONCACAF, USSFF, sorry, my brain just skipped, United States Soccer Federation, uh, would always be behind something like that. But uh, back to Lou City here. Uh, enough on Oakland. Uh, the, with the win, Lou City moves uh, back into the top four, sec- potentially securing them um, a home playoff game to start the, the playoffs. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Oakland takes a little tumble down the standings by not getting a draw. Because um, Oakland is a really good, solid team. Um, Coach Cruz talked about how he used the performance last week and talking about how poor his team played, really challenged them, challenged their pride, um, and really pushed them to be as gutsy uh, and be as resilient as possible. And it showed on the field. Um, his formation of 4-3-3 paid off in this game, unlike some of their more recent ones where they kind of fell flat and those three in the back couldn't hold up. Yep. It looked a little much, much better. The attacks looked really good. Um, you can't talk, but but the defense is still a little shaky. Semele back uh, got y'all out of a lot of bad situations. He is so he had, good. He had He's to make so two, two or three of those saves for like game, like keeping the score. And he prevented Oakland from having the extra time winner in like a minute before him and as his goal. 
but yep. Right. Uh, Lou is now fourth. They're it's looking unlikely they're going to break the top three because they are six points out of Charleston. So that's with what six games left, six seven. And I think Charleston's got both victories against Louisville, is that yeah, right? or that's... one win, one draw, or something like that. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. And but they, what Lou needs to do is to need to keep winning because the bottom, the like five through seven are within shot of them. Specifically, Memphis and Indy are both within two of them, so they can't. Yeah. They don't have any room to stumble if they want to keep a home playoff game. And you know things aren't getting any easier for Louisville. They head on the road uh, this weekend at Colorado Springs. Big road trip. Colorado is without two of their starters. They got double red card. Look at that inside in right there. Game. Wow, so, double red card. They're playing with nine. Uh, yeah. Let me pull it up. Their last match, they lost to Monterey Bay, and I was yep. They got. Both, both, they're missing both their strikers, their starting strikers, uh, who they picked up two yellows type thing. That was the red card. Oh, with okay. Richmond red card on accumulation. Against, yeah. Again, the red card that was picked up by Richmond and the Lexington was the same way. It was two yellows in the same match. Gotcha. Uh, well, no, they had three, three reds. Whole. Wow. They two so, their two Louisville. strikers pick up yellow yellow, but a center back Musa for the switchbacks picked up a straight red. So Louisville simile and that entire back line, Adams and everyone else back there. This is your time to get a clean sheet. They're, John, you said they're out their top three strikers, or at least their top two. They're they were so at least from the lineup, uh-huh. the switchbacks will be without their front two. Of Foster and Feigelberg, and they'll be well without done. one of their center backs in Musa. Um, Foster and Feigelberg got picked up two yellow cards in one game, which is a red, and then Musa has got straight red. So we'll see if like I'll need to watch this back, this game back to see if any of these are worthy of being overturned because that can happen. But yeah. they're going to be missing at least, as of right now, they'll be missing three of their starting 11. Wow. Well, so for a full breakdown of that Loose City Colorado Springs matchup, come back to our show on Wednesday where we will give that full breakdown. But in my opinion, things are looking quite positive in Louisville. And again, as we said on Twitter, I'm very happy now. Thank you, Louisville. Hey, calm yourself. So last time you did this, you shut up. Stop it. No, don't do that. Don't do that to me. You called them back. Right now. I just asked a question. You're like, yes, on a cloud. Back. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am on a cloud right now, and I think I'm on the ninth one. It feels so good. Speaking of th- teams that are playing pretty good, um, let's stay in Louisville. Let's talk about Racing Louisville. Uh, Racing Louisville had. A, a bit of an interesting 0-0 draw with uh, Gotham FC. Uh, they escaped with a 0-0 yeah. draw. Particularly, yeah. what, is her, what, what is her name? God. It's like Erica. She's the keeper. Keeper Erica. Uh, Lind, Katie Lind. Lund. Katie, Katie Lund. Lund? That's what, sorry. Yeah. She particularly lucked out 
in that stoppage first half stoppage time because credit to Gotham they did the high pressure thing and she just collapsed because you looked and there was two Gotham players yeah and no well, other were... racing player was giving her any help whatsoever right. no one was getting close to help her out how Gotham didn't score there is like a miracle because there is no the, the racing escaped with a draw because they didn't really have an attack going much that game either that it was all defense and you know specifically on that play i remember seeing uh abby eric e-r-c-e-g i'm sorry Erk. uh erg uh and Erk. julie lester they kind of were split and you know when the pass came across it was wide open to gotham players heading right towards katie lund and as you said, John, she got very lucky. But, John, I was most disappointed, and maybe I was just looking for the good story, right, um, that Lu- uh, Racing Louisville didn't score. Um, I was disappointed that Paige uh, Monahan didn't score. I was disappointed that Savannah didn't score, that Thimby didn't score, that you know all of these players coming back, um, Paige coming back to Gotham after that's where she was last year, all the World Cup stars like back in it, you know, ready to go, and you can't get a goal. I was disappointed. I like I said, they didn't really have an attack. Tamela had probably the best ch- chance at it. She did early and late later, but it, did that get saved by the keeper or blocked by a defender? I, I can't remember. I think it was blocked. Yeah, it got blocked for a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blocked um, out for a corner. But they, but this is like what I was saying when we were getting back to it. It's the the final third is racing's issue, and I think it's an issue of they don't know how to use their attack in pieces. Right. They are still trying to figure out. Okay, we have all this great attack. Um, De, remember, Demille and Ari are more attacking midfielders with that both can play good defensively. So they're, I'm not really ca- talking about them. I'm talking about Shang, Thembi, all of them. Oh, and Shang, I was disappointed that she didn't like, I thought she played okay, but like I was expecting more. So, well, from Shang her. did what Shang has kind of done, what she's done all year where she's kind of just not, yeah just disappear it's a forgettable performance and that's the thing that a lot of people say about shang is that like when she's there she's there and she's very much on her day but when she's not it's like she makes no impact well and she's just kind of and people came to there but it's like yeah so it's all it's we'll have to see like and this is why i tell what i need to tell everybody it's really hard to judge teams one through highlights and stuff like that because I was my wife had a dinner thing with her family, so I wasn't able to fully watch this um, either. It's hard to tell through highlights and it's hard to tell on TV some issues because they can't see the full field. Right. Soccer is very much a game that has to be watched in person for you to truly understand teams and see how they work and stuff. Uh, I know myself, 
I've caught myself less watching the ball against like when I watch Lexington and more just watching the formation and stuff happen. Watching the chess game. Uh, yeah, because that's like the this is how you can tell if a player is really good or not is if they are they like reacting to the ball or are they actively thinking where do I need to be next? Like how that's how well you can tell if a shape works is how is this are they keeping their form? Is the back line staying together? Are they when the uh winger pushes up, are they swing like tilting their formation to account for that sort of thing? And that's hard to see in person with all the camera cuts and all that jazz type thing, but that's what we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah, so, and again, we'll talk about it in depth on Wednesday, but uh, Portland Thorns come to Louisville um, for that game. And, uh, you know, things aren't all doom and gloom uh, for racing Louisville, right? It is, uh, they move into a better uh, playoff position with the the point gained. Um, so things aren't over yet. The, you know, the skies aren't, aren't dark yet. Um, just, you know, like a cumulus cloud has come come over the pitch uh, for now. But one way to clear a cloud away is to have a party. And that is what is going to be happening Saturday in Louisville, racing Louisville, hosting Portland Thorns, and Bluegrass Soccercast will be in the house. All three of us will be there. Uh, we will have sideline photos. Uh, John and I will be up in the booth. We'll be doing a live pregame show. We're going to be doing some halftime stuff and uh, postgame coverage, including um, talking to talk to Coach uh, Kim Jorgensen, possibly. Yep, close enough. Uh, sorry, Kim. And we yeah. are very, very excited to go there. So uh, make sure that you get it out. Is, uh, is Pride Night for those who want? You need to know uh, the Legion. They're doing something for that. But in general, just message us if you want to connect with us. Absolutely. We really don't have any plans outside of the game. So if you want to tailgate any of that sort, let us know. Um, I've never been to Lynn, so... You're in for a treat, my friend. Let me know what I have to do need to do what drink or was it scrum scrap what is the term in soccer that they say it's like an s word there's a whole twitter account it's like footy scrum or something like that um (laughs) what food i need to have at lynn like what's lynn's go-to thing because lexington being in a college stadium some of the food is very but so we will break down uh that full game and you know maybe even some of the the food options on wednesday's show but john let's close out the pro ranks today um and talk about another exciting um event from this past weekend a little bit of rain a little bit of heat and lexington sporting club get the 1-0 victory over the richmond kickers John, what did you see yes. from your perspective in the stands? Um, one, this was the weirdest weather game we've had. Because <laughs> yeah, it was weird to watch. For those who don't know, I get there about three hours early oh to God. set up 
sometimes well i do it to set up the section and so i can enjoy the tailgate because if i show up like an hour early i won't get the section set up in time for me to actually enjoy the tailgate and stuff um so while i'm setting up i'm sweating because there's like barely any clouds in the sky and it's been our heat wave and then we get into the stadium and stuff from the tailgate and there's like these dark luminescent clouds (laughs) we do the walkout we do we do the national anthem everything's good and literally like they're the ref almost was about to blow the whistle players are like in position for the kickoff and then lexington's like field general guy who kind of like makes sure everything's on time and all that type of stuff oh if i after if they're on the field prepping for that and i see him walk on i instantly knew they were in a lightning gate because he's like he's doing the motion of like all right we yeah, gotta go inside field. yeah which because it start, started to rain and t- some people started leaving and I looked at the people like we don't have to leave unless there's lightning like we're 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 allowed to be in the stands in rain yeah and you can't crowd into it, the the clubhouse like or the the pro shop I mean because it is tiny oh they have a lot of overhang stuff oh do they so we were just I was I was chilling in front of a concession stand mm. it was me and the other railbirds um. And so we go into an hour delay or down, absolutely downpours. And then they get back on the field and stuff. We get in the stands for the entire first half. It's raining of some way until like the last five minutes. There was parts where it got a little more downpour, but it was mainly just light rain. And, but it was a very chippy match and, I don't know if that chippiness was because of the field being wet. Like players are just more grabbing guys out of like balance versus like, maybe it was hard to say Uh, the ref very much was not, he was fair, but he wasn't calling stuff that should be called. Like there was a lot of pushes in the backs from both sides. I mean, he did call a PK in the 81st minute. Well, then, yeah, but that was a that was a legit foul in the box. That was a legit, legitimate foul. That that's not debatable. Um, there was just some pushing in the back type stuff. There was the, the there was two dumb yellow cards. Hey, there no, was there are one no dumb yellow cards. Greatest band of all time. There was. I'm not, calling, I'm not talking about that band. Um, <laughs> the first was against Khalid. In like the 88th minute, because like a free kick was given in the box, and and the keeper was gonna take it for Richmond, and so he like picked up the ball and tossed it to him, but because he tossed it a little too fast or something around the lines, I don't know. He got yellow for that, and then Kent and Soso got a yellow. I I think Soso got. I I saw that part. I don't. I don't think that was supposed to be given to Soso. I okay. just think the ref wasn't paying attention. And like what happens is the ball came in. I think it was Tariq. Tariq like pushed the player. And like the ref was turning or something. And like Sosa was running in to play the ball. And so all I think the ref saw was a player on the ground, people yelling at him and see Soso. So I don't know. Hmm. But. It was a very crazy night. 
Um, there was a lot of it was a very back and forth battle. Uh, Richmond run, was running a very high press, a very very high press when they were at any time they were running with their back line. Like there was a point where their back their, their defenders were while Lexington had the ball, their defenders were almost at the half. Man, they were like they were really running a high. Well, it and it worked. I talked about this in my press. It was Lexington was very much the better attacking team, but the fact is their attack was starting like when they would get it to Nico, when they would get it to Atess, it was starting so much higher on the pitch that Richmond was able to recover. So it was a very smart system. It just over time it started to wear on them type of thing. And you mentioned Diouf there. He was the, the goal scorer off the penalty, his 10th of the season. Um, Emil mm-hmm. Knight, or the keeper for Lexington, did earn another shutout, um, adding to his total this year. Um, and overall, I thought it was a, a decent performance by Lexington. You know, was it flawless? No. But I think it would have been really challenging for any team to, <laughs> to perform in that kind of a, a weather. These are one of the, because me and Tyler Crane were talking about this, we have been like the turning point for teams a lot. And that was my fear of this game because um, the kickers have now not won in nine straight games. They, their first, their last one was on July 1st. So they are going to actively be going two months without a win because they don't play. No, they play tomorrow. Or they play Wednesday, I think. So I think they have one last shot to win in the month of August and avoid not winning for two months. Uh, yes, they play. They play Fuego. So they have if they have oh, a boy. shot, it's Fuego at home for them. Oh, it's at home. But oh, come on, four kickers at home for kickers. Now Fuego also just had like. The thriller. So for Lexington fans, if the league, you're like, why the league is barely talking about our shutout win. It's because um, Fuego and Madison and Red Wolves and Tormenta decided to go crazy and have four, four draws. Yep. <laughs> With two stoppage time goals in the uh, Red Wolves Tormenta game in the 90 plus minute, two of them. So that's partially why the league kind of like brushed over the rest of the games because two games went wild. Yeah, I, I didn't um, watch either of those, but I did see some of the highlights from the Madison game, and that was quite entertaining just to watch the highlights. I can't imagine what it was like in well, stadium. I get, I get like the league's posting, and I was like, because Tormenta has a really good college group that supports them called the Flight Crew. Albeit, I've gone into some Twitter spats with them, but overall, they're they're very good at supporting their team. They traveled up there, and there was this whole thing with them celebrating because they they went up four three in like the ninety second minute and all this type of stuff. And then, like five minutes later, it's like equalizer. I was like, "What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like look at all this. The, the league went madness. literally crazy." Omaha got their sixth straight win. No, uh, like free falling. Noco beat the best team in the league. Like it was 
a wild night sort of thing. So, but to bring it back to Lexington, they did, this was like a game that I feel like we would have lost earlier in the year. Uh, 100% we would have given up the penalty. We, we would have done that sort of thing. And it just, we, they finally ground out. They got the PK. They went for it type of thing. It's, Stuff are finally moving our way, Lexington fans. We're we have three wins in our last four. We're three one and one. Yes, it would have been awesome to beat Knoxville, but like we're trending in the right direction, right? To face Greenville on Friday, and you know you move ahead of Richmond in the standings. You're now in the top ten, uh, which again, this is an expansion side. Like this isn't we're out of the bottom nine, right? This isn't we're a, the bottom third. Um, a group that we expected too much from. I mean, yes, Coach Stockley and the boys were gonna give them hell all year, but you know, it is nice to see them pushing for a playoff spot. Now, there are only six teams that make the playoffs in USL League One, and currently Lexington sits. Uh, quick math. What is that? Nine, nine. out. Of Greenville, nine out. We are playing Greenville, so so a chance that to win get one back. Narrow. We we play Greenville twice. We play them this game, and then we play them the final game of the year. Um, in all honesty, it's gonna, it might be hard to climb out. Yes, of this, but but it because a lot of things have to go Lexington's way for them to make the playoffs. What I say right now is what Knoxville's. Is it Knoxville or Tormenta is right ahead of us? Knoxville is right above you at uh, with 32 points, and Tormenta is right above them also with 32 points. Knoxville and Tormenta. They would love it if, are, if Lexington could yeah. knock off uh, Greenville. Knox, Knoxville and Tormenta are your targets right now of trying to top them. And I said this overall of like, one, this is how crazy the league is, of the regular season champion last year with the kickers. And then the two finals lists in the championship with the Red Bulls and Tormenta are all out of the playoffs right now. Yep. Those are arguably, you could say, the three best seasons last year. Regular season champ and the, the two teams that made the final. And they're, neither of them are in the playoff right now. So I'd say if you finish ahead of those three plus your rival in Knoxville, yes, they have the barrel, but finish you can say we finished above you in the standings. Right. I think that would give you um, a, lot of, a, win. a lot of uh, bragging rights to do that. That is a win. That, that's a legitimate win in my book. Like UK versus UOL. Like if UOL beats UK, but UK wins the national championship, like they're not, UOL is like, well, we beat you. And they're going to be like, well, we got the ring. Right. <laughs> so speaking. It's wor- it, of our college teams in our state. We know about Big Blue. We know about Big Red. Um, Let's go on and jump to our college roundup for this week. And, you know, John, kind of just want to hit on these. Um, Don't have a whole lot of notes for the majority of these games. Um, But we'll just kind of attack them in order. And we'll just kind of talk about from each team's perspective if we have notes on each other's teams and whatnot. Uh, so first off, University of Louisville men's soccer team, they had a huge upset victory um, in their first matchup against number 16, Tulsa. 
which was a great performance by them. It was really good to see uh, Louisville coming out on fire like that. They really showed that they can compete. Um, and I think the t- other teams in the ACC, they need to be on notice and watch out for Louisville because this is not going to be a pushover Cardinals team uh, that they may have had in years past. Uh, it, it was a good performance. I really think that this one, and I'm basing all this on one matchup, uh, I think UofL is poised to win the ACC over the defending national champion Syracuse and, of course, then make the NCAA tournament. This is the same ACC with that Power 5 guy we talked about earlier yes. that had two teams yes. in the ACC in that with Duke yes. and Syracuse. So this is a bit of an overreaction Monday. No, no, never an overreaction. No, uh-uh, never. Um, and right now they are playing um, Bellarmine to a 2-0 victory so far. They've got about 32 minutes remaining in that matchup. Um, speaking of that match, John, we need to we need to decide a, a name for it. What are what are officially what are we going to go with as the the rivalry there? I I like Derby City Derby Derby because City I Derby D C E. So that will be the I official like title of that matchup: the Dirty City Derby. Um, right there in Louisville between Derby City Derby. Oh, yeah, that's a mouthful, dirty? but I like that one. My bad. Derby. Yeah, he's a dirty city. Derby City Derby. Um, yeah, between the University of Louisville and Bellarmine University, one of the newest teams in um, NCAA Division One. Since we're talking about them, John, I'll go on and speak about them. Their first matchup uh, was a 1-1 draw with the University of Evansville. Uh, which if you know anything about collegiate soccer in this area of the country, you know that the University of Evansville is a very good mid-major program. Um, So that was a good result. Would have liked to have seen them get the victory, but uh, like I said, they're playing UofL tonight uh, to a down 0-2 with 30 minutes remaining. John, let's jump over to Lexington and talk about the University of Kentucky. Uh, so Kentucky, which is actively playing right now, uh, it's still zero zero in Lexington in the 69th minute. Who are they playing? Um, oh, ETSU, but, right? Yeah, Eastern Tennessee State. Uh, Charlie Machel's alma mater. Um, but they have their they played their first game last uh, Thursday, where they. Trumped uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Dunk City, baby. Goals. That is... You, you want to feel old? That was eight years ago. Hey, eight, stop pretty, it. I'm pretty positive that was 2015. So that was eight years ago. Um, yeah, but that's the same thing I think of. Yeah. Because that's the only thing I know Florida Gulf Coast for. I used to know um, somebody who worked down there for at Florida Gulf Coast, but they don't work there anymore. Great story. I'll tell uh, yeah. it again someday. So the <laughs> home opener for the Wildcats, all all three goals came from their transfers. Um, yep. Uh, those transfers came from uh, that's Kamara, uh, Dorsey, and Mil- uh, Miller got the assist. Where is it? And McBride. Uh, you know, they are looking dominant. Uh, 
Moles got his eighth career shutout. Granted, he only made three saves. Um, but the women got some got some points in our was it Interstate Cup? Is that what we're calling it? We're gonna talk about that later after the show. Okay. <laughs> the post. Uh, uh, they traveled down to Murray and they got some. They escaped with a two-one win because they had some late game heroics in that. Yes, from Murray did their best. Jordan Rose, who's on fire for the Wildcats, she has scored in all four of their games. She scored both game goals in the uh, two-one win over Murray State and scored in the one-one draw versus Valparaiso, where they this one was a little more tightly contested. Uh, Valparaiso is not a terrible team, but this one they were a lot more physical. Um, so I think it was just the Wildcats weren't prepared for that physicality. Like the Valparaiso picked up five yellow cards and a red in this game. So it was pretty bad, but their defense stood firm in this. The Wildcats got off 17 shots and they only allowed it. They only got one goal. So it's just one of those games. I have to say, I love how you say that name. Valaparet. Isn't it Valaparecio? I mean, that is like if a European was Valparaiso uh, with my most Kentucky accent possible, or uh, in short, Valpo, uh, which is no less more Southern than Valparaiso. Uh, yeah. The Beacons, newly nicknamed the Beacons. Uh, they used to be the Crusaders or something like that, but they did a, a vote on campus to change the name. So the Beacons from Valparaiso, or as John yeah. calls it. It's Valparaiso. It's there you go. That sounds guy. like a European like soccer team, <laughs> like in Italy. It's, a, it's like a Spanish origin. Uh, Apparently. <laughs> um, John, you, you mentioned it, but uh, I briefly will add to that University of Kentucky versus Murray State matchup. Really competitive uh, matchup. I think the heat from that match really played a factor in that game because um, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, Murray State does not have lights at Cutchin Field, uh, so that game had to be completed before it was too dark to play. Um, so, and they, so very for some reason, they didn't tell Kentucky to come down the night before and play like why don't we play at like 10 a.m. So yeah or something like that so that these curls aren't dying of heat stroke. Yeah and I almost wondered if that was uh, maybe a UK coaching decision to not come down early um, you know I, we do have to remember these, these students still have classes to go to and stuff like that um, so by it being a cross state travel Maybe they didn't want to come down and stay in a hotel. I mean, we are talking about collegiate soccer, so we know their their budgets aren't that big to where, you know, they maybe they couldn't afford an extra spontaneous overnight trip. I don't know. I mean, it is UK. Like, who am I kidding? Like, Mitch Barnhart could buy me 20 times over at this point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Good performance. I was proud of my racers. Um, but they did get their first win of the season. Uh, Murray State beat Jacksonville State, uh, or Jackson State, I apologize. Um, the HBCU to move to 3-1, or I'm sorry, 
three and zero um, on the season. Good victory, uh, solid competition down there um, with JSU, and glad that the racers are no longer winless. <laughs> John, why don't you close out um, the men's side talking about NKU? Uh. So the Norse, which first off, uh, NKU, get your athletic website together. I shouldn't have to click. Oh, please. Multiple times I've clicked their schedule just to see results. And it's like, error, homepage. And it's like multiple times. And I'm like. Yeah, and it's not just you. Like, I couldn't get it either. I And it's the thing that was like. And then they're like how they do their news stories on their pages are like out of order. Yeah. I'll be on there and it'll be like recap. And then they'll do the thing about the free games, which was before any <laughs> of their games were played. And it was like 2020 schedule release. And it'll be like, oh, first game recap. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Come on, uh, Morris, get it together. Where are they? Uh, is, this, is this the women? No, it's. I'm trying to find them in this. And I might right up here we go. Uh, the men uh, are, are start off to a oh I believe they've drawn they've drawn oh, two oh straight. And two. Yeah. Oh, oh and two start. Uh, they tied UAB coming back from a first half deficit. This was a really early game. They kicked off at 10 a.m. This was set to be like a back-to-back home opener thing for the Norse between the men and women, but the heat obviously changed that. Um, their senior uh, transfer uh, helped get that equalizer. Then they dominated offensively, but and they were very, very sound defensively. It was just, again, one of those games that's kind of the niche of college soccer where the keepers really make a difference in that clash. But uh, it wasn't a Great trip to Kentucky for Florida Gulf Coast as they also uh, didn't get the result they wanted from the Norse, tying them with, again, NKU coming back from a first-half deficit. Um, Yeah, they got the equalizer in the 90th minute with 25 seconds left on the clock. Uh so the Norse came really out for it, and they escaped with that win. Um, but yeah, they, they're looking a little better. They're looking to start going, but they need to get a win. They uh, they'll be going. They'll be playing in a interstate matchup on the fourth against Bellarmine next. So we'll see how that goes. And if you come back again on Wednesday, I keep saying Wednesday is going to be a really good show. Not that this one isn't awesome as well um, but we will break down all of those college matchups coming uh, later this week um, John I will take us down to Bowling Green uh, where the Lady Toppers have had a interesting start to the season I'll say um, after that big victory over Union uh, Western Kentucky had two games this past weekend uh, one was a 2-2 draw with Siena out of New York State, not city, um, which was a really frustrating match to, to watch as a fan, right? Uh, WKU was up 2-0 to zero at halftime um, after some really good goals and was really looking like, hey, they're on a 7 to nothing run right now in their last two matches. 
they're looking real hot. And then they went cold as ice. And Siena got two goals in the second half and drew that game two to two. Uh, that brought WKU's record to one win, zero losses, and two draws on the season. And then on Sunday, um, WKU hosted number 17 Xavier out of Cincinnati. And this game was not even close. Um, Xavier 5, WKU 1, giving the Lady Toppers their first loss of the season. And these two results, John, were really confusing to me because, you know, I thought WKU had a lot of experience. They had the attacking prowess that I thought they could hang with somebody like an Xavier. They could get two, three goals. I never thought they would have given up five. I mean, the WKU keeper, Maddie, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how there was so many goals that went in in that matchup. I thought she played better than letting in five goals. The defense really let her down in a couple of situations, but um, just kind of a confounding situation for WKU. Um, they do continue to have more home games for Topper fans, um, but again, we'll talk about that on Wednesday. What were you going to say, John? It's just like this is what college soccer is. It's the factor of that these are still student-athletes in particular yeah. and they have practice rest- restrictions like the pros have practice restrictions too but it's not as not as restricting like i'm pretty sure the ncaa doesn't allow you to practice more than four hours if that in a given day right. type of thing oh, i'm sure it's less than that yeah so it's really hard to prep sometimes and to keep momentum sometimes you had it's I don't want to mean this in any mean way, but in college, and this is in all sports, is where you truly have coaches who are like, True. How, how do I get the best? How do I plug and play the best team possible against this team? Whereas like the pros, like those are the top talented people. Sometimes it's just, this is my best 11. I'm going to throw that out right. there. And sometimes you can't throw out your best 11 because that's not how that works. And Coach Nadell has done a really good job of recruiting. Um, He does really good in the games of making substitutions and making sure that players are in the best positions possible, which to me even makes that 5-1 loss even more painful and honestly kind of surprising. Yeah, it can happen, though, is my thing. It was like... true. What it's just it's hard. And was that it was that a midweek or a weekend game? That was Sunday. That was last night. Yes. Sunday games are also the weirdest in my True. opinion sometimes too. Yeah, and and as I'm learning here, <laughs> these college teams they'll play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Like they literally oh. will play any day of the yeah, week. Yeah, the Spalding's doing like an invitational and they're having teams play like three games in three days Jeez. almost or at least two in three days type of thing and like i get that they're all there in the same area for a weekend but that's still that's a lot <laughs> that that is a lot um john let's head on if we're going to talk about western let's talk about eastern uh so ikayu has yet again to find their first win of the year, but they did get their first positive result 
in a 1-1 draw against Belmont. Former uh, OVC rivals there. Yep. Uh, the, their fre- this freshman group that their coach, I'm going to butcher it if I say it right now, <laughs> has done really good um, with Erica Cox scoring her first collegiate goal. Um, it's the defense that still gets a little leaky at times, which this goal that Belmont scored to equalize it was crazy because it came off of a corner the it to the front post. The girl there for Belmont like like a scorpion flicked it type <laughs> thing and went back a little more in front of the goal and then a girl headed it in. And I was like, Jesus, what what just happened? <laughs> But other than they're they're playing strong. Uh, they'll travel up to sh- they're going to travel up to Chicago to face the Paul next. Um, but with Colonel fans, like your coach actually picked this uh, non conference schedule for a reason. He wanted to prep them for the A Sun. He this is all all these matches are to prepare for the A Sun. They're not to like he's not trying to win every single match. Well, he always is, but he it's more like. I want you guys ready for the ace sun versus like, we're going to do really good in non-conference and we'll see how we do in conference type of thing. Yeah. I mean, Belmont, no slouch at any sport, but especially in soccer, um, they're very, very competitive, uh, both men's and women's. Um, John, if we're going to talk about teams that have been confusing um, and honestly quite disappointing, Um, I would be remiss not to talk about the University of Louisville women's soccer team. Um, They started the week with a 2-1 loss to to Dayton, to the Flyers. Now, the game was on the road, so give them a little bit of of credit there. Uh, But then they had a 1-1 draw, I'm sorry, a 0-0 draw with NKU. uh, And I just don't understand where the offense is is going to come from in that squad. They don't seem to have any strikers or forwards with any kind of uh, playmaking abilities. And this University of Louisville team is going to get absolutely blown off the map when it comes to ACC play if they're still playing this badly. Um, Currently, the roster or the record sets at zero wins, two losses, two draws for the University of Louisville. And one of those draws was, right, yep, against the NKU Norse, um, who, this is the weirdest thing, because I keep wanting to call them, like, Norsemen, because I feel like that's what they're (laughs) called a lot, but it's not. They're just the Norse, which is just a weird, there's some weird names out there, like, Norse is weird. I don't think, like, a lot of people say WKU Hilltoppers is weird, which is yeah, it's but not, I mean, it's, it's not no. on a hill. Western's name is not that weird. Y'all's mascot is weird. Oh, Big Red? Oh, everybody loves Big Red. Oh, I you love find him, somebody who it, doesn't like Big Red. I've, it, I've found somebody I don't want to talk to. I don't, I'm not saying I hate, hate Big Red back with and when NCAA football things are a thing. I always picked him for the mascot. Good, thing because the ball choice. would just disappear the ball would yes. just disappear and i found it the most hilarious thing but um the norse um had a positive <laughs> week they uh beat uh they won over miami of ohio 
to get their first win of the season. That goal came early off of another freshman. Freshmen are doing really good for uh, the women's teams, at least. Um, from fresh, freshman Natalie Newman. Uh, but it was a very defensive affair. Only five shots with a bunch of corner kicks throughout the whole match. Um, and then uh, they, they just weren't really completing in the final third, but they didn't need to. They got that 1-0 win. And then they went to Louisville, I believe. Yep. They went to Louisville on Sunday Sunday night. Um, and, you know, Late they got that tie. Yeah. Yep. 7.30, which is weird for students. Like, I don't. Yep. Which, like, I mean, it's probably why there was like 50 people in the stands. That that's the funniest thing. It's like seeing some of these reported attendance. I'm like, there's just times where I just wouldn't. I just personally yeah, wouldn't. I just wouldn't. <laughs> um, but senior keeper Michaela Kowals- Kowalowski uh tied her career high in saves with seven. Um and she uh, was really impressive, man. Like yeah, I, the I Norse, was the one that tweeted that out. Like that was really impressive. She was really great. The, the Cardinals had 21 shots granted only five were like yeah. or seven or so were on target but several were very was, erroneous yeah but she they stood firm um that so much so that the cardinals were even getting a little chippy uh very were. very foul seven more fouls than the norse even though the norse picked up uh the two yellows John, I'll close out my teams um, by staying in Louisville and jumping over to the Bellarmine women's team. And if you want to talk about teams that have at least one number in every category, this is your team right here. Uh, They started last week with a 3-0 loss to Indiana University, uh, (laughs) Purdue University, Indianapolis. Are we looking at Big Red? I've got the screen minimized, and all I see is Big Red. Let's go, Big Red. Yeah, literally... He is eating that sign. They literally just took a red blob <laughs> and put eyes on it. Hey, look, if you want the whole history, come down to Bowling Green. I'll take you to the museum. Well, There's I'll a show museum? You there is. Big Red has his own little corner that's like a mini museum. Oh, um, okay, okay. The Alumni Center. Okay. You can see the original thought... Big Red. Oh, I bet that's Nightmare Fuel. Oh, <laughs> come on down to Bowling Green. I'll show you. Uh, but back up to Louisville. Uh, so after the, the Lady Knights um, had that unfortunate loss to Ui Pui, um, they then returned home to play the University of Indianapolis, where they picked up their first win of the season, 1-0, to zero, over their former uh, GLVC conference opponent. Um, John, take us home by heading out into the mountains and talking about how those Moorhead State Eagles did this week as the University uh, of Louisville men's have added a third to go up 3-0. to zero. And Kentucky just got their first in the 88th minute, um, which this has been a really good game. Eastern Tennessee has definitely brought it. Um, I do not know who scored that because I can't Number twenty-three for them. It's that it, it's the fact that they mob each other. I don't have I have this on mute, so I don't know, hear the name. Um, Morehead, sadly, B A A F I, Buffy. 
No, but that was who entered the game. Um, sadly, the women, um, Moorhead fell to Indiana, who is a really strong school. They went on the road for that. They played, uh, really good. Uh, their star keeper in Ern Gibbs, um, she made eight saves, a lot, yes, allowing in three goals, but 11 shots on target against a top quality school. And truly, she only let in two um, because the PKs are hard to stop, especially in when you're not that tall. Because Gibbs is like five, six, I think they said she's not that tall. Um, you know that, but the Eagles really struggled with offensively. Uh, granted, Indiana again is a power five. Uh, the power fives exist in women's soccer. People, just so you know, in men's they're kind of hit or hit or miss, but the power fives yeah. are more existent in women's soccer. Um, or the traditional power fives, I should say. Um, the teams are there. The who traditionally wins is varied from their football and oh basketball yeah, it's, counterparts. It's so random. Such as like, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's they need to figure out an attack. That's really where the Eagles have been struggling. And they even against a top quality school, you still need to get more than four shots in the entire in ninety minutes. That's just Yeah. You need to. That's a tough pill to swallow for them. But, John, with that, that will conclude today's episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody who was watching us, both on the live and on the recordings. Make sure you follow us on all of our social channels, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at BG Soccer Cast, all one word. Make sure to give us a listen on all of those incredible podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Google, YouTube, uh, Apple, iHeartRadio, and so many, many more. Hey, and while you're on there, please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, etc. Do all the things to help um, continue to grow this, uh, this show and this platform. We've seen tremendous growth over the last month or so, uh, so we really, really appreciate everyone um, continuing to share and engage with us on social media. We really, truly appreciate it. But that's John. I'm Jimmy, and we will see you on the next one.